This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. of our Gabe Velarde episode from recent. Uh, we're back. We keep grinding, man. Let's do it, man. People think that we're, in, we're gone away. We're, in, we're not going away. We're still doing content. Well, there's a lot of NHL hockey going on. Yes, we're in the is. middle of the qualifying round, uh, yes. which is not the playoffs, even though the stats count towards the playoffs. Right. Don't get me started on that, I DB. won't. But, that uh, the Universal DH will not get you started on either one. Don't even get me going there. No, uh, I don't want to. We do have a special guest today, yes, Matt Luff. Very now we've, special. We've been waiting to have Matt Luff on, kind of waiting for the right time. And I'm surprised yeah. that, uh, I mean, you know, he is, he's very actively involved with his golf game. He has, a lot TikTok. Go- he has a lot going on with TikTok. I mean, thankfully, the NHL season for the Kings is on hiatus right now because in between his workouts, the golf game, <laughs> oh, plus the dog. I mean, the, the dude dog. just has a lot going on. The ink, he's getting inked up more. He, he more is. Ink. So there's a lot going on. So but he, we'll get into all of that very with Very interesting cat, that guy. First, though, DB, uh, a yeah. couple of sort of some news items that we'll get to. We'll do some quick numerology on left. I think there's some interesting tidbits there. Sure. Um, so when it comes to the L.A. Kings, they are in the middle of the second interview right now for the AHL coach, which would be the replacement for Mike really? Stuthers. Okay. Now, those are all still being done um, virtually, like via, yeah, virtually mm-hmm. via Zoom and that sort of stuff. But from yeah. what I hear, they're close to tying things down um, for... Uh, uh, doing the face-to-face interview. Okay. So obviously logistics are a concern right now, um, you know, with what's going on with the coronavirus and everything, but sure. they're working through the details there to figure out how to make that happen. So hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll get some news there. You have some- But man, uh, let's go. You want to handicap it for us? Uh, what do you not think? yet. Not you yet. I, no I, names? I, no, wanna... I think it's still too early. It uh, is too early. I mean, I, I've thrown out who I think is kind you of have. the sleeper pick in all of this, okay. um, but- 
I say let's save that for a future episode. Okay, fair enough. There's a little bit of other Kings news, though, mm-hmm. I, um, that probably slips under the radar for most people. Uh, we did have Mike Fuda on recently, who obviously right. was longtime uh, connected to the scouts, uh, the, uh, the scouting part of the LA Kings management team. Um, and uh, Brent McEwen, who was one of their longtime scouts, mm-hmm. been basically with the team right before Dean came on board, okay. uh, also was a former general manager in the WHL. He was their WHL guy. Got it. Uh, Brent McEwen recently retired. He was heavily involved in a lot of their picks. You know, uh, the first two that come to mind would be Dwight King and, of course, Braden Shin. Um, he did a lot of legwork in the interviews and personal, inf- in, uh, you know, scouting uh, the personal information yeah. Yeah, on those guys. Um, he was also a big part of inviting Martin Jones to camp. You remember Martin Jones was undrafted, played for the Calgary Hitmen up there in the WHL. Yep. Um, that was a huge score for the LA Kings to get Martin Jones. Um, he was really more than an area scout. That's what a lot of guys tell me when I've talked to them about, about McEwen. He just knew the area very well, knew the people. He was very well connected. Uh, so, you know, happy trails, I guess, is uh, appropriate yeah. for that part of the prairies of the uh, of Canada. Happy That's trails right. happy to Brent McEwen. I'm curious to see where he's going to land. You see a lot of these guys that are hockey lifers. Mm-hmm. It's difficult for them to get away. No one's given me any information on this. Haven't spoken to him personally, sure. so I don't know. I mean, does he plan on getting involved more in management or an advisory role in the WHL, stay close to home, limit travel, or is he just had enough and it's time to spend more time with family and enjoy the... It's a tough life being a scout, it, John. You know that. It is, it is a grind. A it grind. is a grind. And some people don't don't even pack for the road like Mark Yannetti as uh, as we heard <laughs> in one of our recent episodes, right? Yeah. So we had we need to get Yank on the uh, on do, the program. We have a lot of time before there's going to be more no Kings reason. hockey, so yeah. we'll spread it out. We'll get some players on. We'll get some people I'm from sure management he's pushed on. Back on you a couple of times already. So uh, we'll have to go through the proper channels to yeah. get. Oh, uh, you know, so, yeah. we have to we have to do all talk of that. to his people, talk to our people. I get it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So uh, look, uh, there's also a little bit of things coming up with uh, with Byfield. From what I understand, they're uh, they're going to be interviewing him. Uh, so that'll be great. Um, you know, the Kings are continuing to march towards the draft, which is going yeah. to happen in, in a couple of months. It's just so weird, Dennis. We're in August and the draft hasn't happened. <laughs> so you know, October. Uh, we're still talking about scouting. They have these prospects playing games <laughs> again before they right. get drafted. Yes, yeah, Stutzel was playing recently, yeah. uh, which was interesting. So yeah, you have all these camps going on. You have things happening, but the draft. Draft will eventually be here. Yep. The Kings will eventually head to the podium with pick number two. They will call somebody's name. And uh, so they will still continue. Sticking right now, I still think it's Byfield, yeah. but okay. uh, it's not It's not a lock. They are, as I've said in every interview when I've been asked about it, yeah, they are time. continuing the evaluation right. process and continuing to put their list together and continuing to, to make decisions about players. But, you know, if you were asking me to put a bet down on who they were would draft if the draft was in the next 24 hours, Byfield is their guy okay. at this moment. Then let me ask you the other question. Sure. Will they make all three picks in the second round? No. Okay. No. They w- I, I would anticipate that no they No hesitation would- on that answer, <laughs> no. fans. I, I would think that they're going to look to trade. But here's the one thing to keep in mind. They will go into that draft not expecting to make all three of those picks. Let okay. me put it that way. Okay. It has become harder and harder to trade yeah. at the draft because more and more teams, especially in the age of analytics, are realizing the value of those picks. Right. And in a, with a flat salary cap DB, yeah. those draft picks become even more, more important right. in the coming years. So I think it might even be more difficult than it's been over the last two or three years. Give me your percentage 
of them getting into the first round using some of their assets? I think there's a greater than 50% chance that they oh, get into good. the bottom half of the first okay. round. I think there's definitely going to be... Look, they are going to have a pick early at the top of the second round. Right, right? 34 so, or something like So that. if they're not able to get in there, like last year, they were able to get Kaliev, who's a first-round right. talent that they picked up at the top second of the day, second right. round. They can do that same thing again. Sure. But given that they have all that draft capital there in the second round, they haven't been stockpiling these picks over the last couple of years to make three second round selections. They've been stockpiling those picks in order to acquire some high-end prospects Mm -hmm. that will either make this organization or that they can use as capital to flip and to fill some holes that they're going to need in the coming years. So it's not about going in there and trying to get a player that's going to make the LA Kings roster this season. It's about going in and getting some guys that in two years from now will either make the LA Kings or that they'll be able to flip to uh, fill a hole that they might have. And look, we all know that the, the, the key position that they're trying to fill right now in the, in the next immediate 24 months is going to be on defense. Yep. They have a slew of prospects that are coming, and you only really need half of them to hit to fill out the forward spots. Right. I mean, you have Turcotte, you have Velarde, you have Madden, I mean, Akil Thomas, Kapari, the list just goes on and on. Right. But on defense, you have a lot of guys that are kind of second-pairing guys right. in Mikey Anderson and Dursey and Clegg and, and, and Bjornfoot and so on. And maybe one of them ends up playing on the, on the top pairing, but they don't have that top pairing elite talented guy in the org so if they can try to find a way to package some assets because db you can't keep them all because of contract limits i mean blake even talked about that when we had him on uh, a couple weeks back or whatever it was good problem to have though john it is a great problem to have um so congratulations to brent McEwen on his on his his retirement and we'll be uh, interested to see where he goes anybody who had such a long i mean we're talking more than 10 more than 15 year run in the nhl in the scouting world this is a guy who is very well connected to the game has a lot of sources knows a lot of people he would be a tremendous asset to uh to anybody so matt luff is the guest on the on this on the uh, pod today db we like to do the numerology yes a little bit of a weird deal going on because he's only worn 64 in los angeles right and he's the only player to have ever, ever worn, worn 64. 64 so there's not a lot of short meat. segment fans it's a very, yeah, there's not a lot of meat on the bones so here's what i'm gonna do db um, nine and 25. Okay. Because right. most of the time that he's been with Ontario, he's worn nine. Okay. He's also worn 25, uh, which was his junior number. So we would just have to assume that that's a number that he likes. Um, I'm going to lean towards, I think he should wear nine in Los Angeles. And this hear me Go out ahead. on this. No, okay? no, so on the numerology side, number nine, I mean, you had cowboy Bill Flett wore that number for a while. You had, uh, guys like Billy Harris back in the day. You had, of course, Bernie Nichols, very, very popular player in Los Angeles. You had, uh, Dixon Ward, Rob Brown, uh, Bookberger, uh, Vladimir Siplikov, Eric Rasmussen. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And Pushkarov. I mean, you want to talk about Siplikov. You also have to talk about Pushkarov <laughs> who came in a couple years later, the Russian connection there. Oscar Moeller, probably the, the most recent nine, but look, Adrian Kempe, nine also so you might have to flip a deal there Uh, i don't know what the the history is with kempe and nine i'd have to look back up what he wore at world juniors Mm -hmm. i don't remember him wearing nine Mm -hmm. but but i could be wrong uh it's been a number of years uh but on the 25 side okay um I mean, you can go way back to 1970, and there were some players in the 70s that were wearing 25 in L.A. Uh, then you had uh, maybe a guy like... Uh, Come on, there's one guy. Well, Peter Deneen, you had Daryl Sador, Kevin Stevens wore that no, number. there's a- one guy. A- Eric Belanger wore that yeah, number. Yeah, good, but there's one guy. Come <laughs> oh, on. Noah Clark, the only or the first player ever born and raised in, in Southern California to Close, be... Close, but not... No, close. okay. John Clem. You must be talking about John Clem. I must Clem. be. Okay. <laughs> Matt Molson, that's a no. Uh, Dustin Penner, of course, yeah, of wore course, number 25. Uh, look, somebody's going to have to wear 25 
five. It's not a number yeah. that's going to be retired, retired in LA. Right, sure. But I don't know why this is, DB. Uh, yeah. This is my opinion. Do you share this opinion? That certain players, when I look at them, they're like a single digit number and not yeah. a double digit number. Or yeah. certain players, I'm like, that guy's not a 20. He's like a number in the 30s or, yeah. or you know, whatever. I, I don't well, see he fills him. out the uniform. I don't right. see uh, Luff as a 25. He's not a 25 right. to me. Maybe because the last 25 was such a burly man in <laughs> yeah, LA. Right. Penner is the opposite uh, in terms right. of exactly. physical uh, uh, size. No, I get that. I understand Is Luff yeah. a 25 to you? He's not a this 64. The last he's not a 64, right. but he's not a 25 either. What do you, do you see I, yeah, a, you can convince me. Yeah, is he a nine? nine? Yeah, is he a nine? Winger. Yeah, come okay. Up the wing he's, exactly, he's a winger. So we right. need to get a Kempe, and we need to find out what number he's switching to because Luff needs to wear number nine yeah. in Los. Oh, twenty two is going to be available. Could you see him as a twenty two? Yes, really. He's a twenty two. Yeah, I don't know about that. Like a Craig Conroy, like a Lappy. Yeah. I don't know about a twenty two. Well, he's not that type of player. Okay. So that's so, what I'm saying. 22 so, is so kind of, yeah. If he's going to be a score, yes. Then nine. it would be nine over 20. Yes. Nine. Matt nine Luff. Over 25 or 22. I'm all over Matt Luff for number nine. Oh, I'm going to start the campaign right now. Hashtag, okay. I don't know what the hashtag would be. Nine for Luff. There you go. Yeah. Someone's going to come up with a terrible pun and hashtag then I'm going to hate the, I'm going to hate the pun that someone comes up with <laughs> for the know. hashtag. You asked for it, John. And then I'm not going to want you anything. Invited it. <laughs> I'm not going to want anything to do no. with Matt Luff You're at number nine. yourself. All right. Enough of the hashtags. Let's bring him in. After the break, we will return with Matt Luff. Period kings of the podcast, and we're going to welcome in this time. Come on, <laughs> this is our guy, Matt Luff. Welcome to the show. Perfect. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be on. Well, Luffer, um, for those that don't know, you've been blowing up our phones saying, "Hey, what's the deal, guys? Uh, you had Anderson Dolan on. You've had Velarde on. You know, when's my time coming?" So here it is. You're, you're on the show now. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know how many more texts I could send to you guys before I got the invite. <laughs> I'm glad I could finally get on. Well, we're happy to. We were just timing it. We were pacing things. Um, we've been we've been worried though because uh, we were scared to book you because we, you know we know you're really busy between golf and and TikTok. We didn't know if you'd be able to fit us in. Yeah, I know it's been a uh, pretty busy schedule. I don't know what you guys saw. I got a one million one going, so uh, <laughs> that one's taken off. So I've been on a few calls about getting that one out to uh, different some. TV shows to have the merit, so that could be on a couple of American shows. So we'll see what takes off with that. Now, John, what you don't know, which is a little bit of breaking news here, we're just going to tease. I can't give you the whole story, but um, the Fourth Period Magazine did a fashion shoot with one of the kings. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's, it happens to be the king who is on the show with us right now. No. So we did a shoot with Matt uh, a few days ago. No, uh, what about the dog? Was the dog in the photo shoot? I didn't see Meatball. No. No, no Meatball in the photo shoot. Yeah, so uh, no photos yet. We haven't released them yet, but he will be in the magazine. Um, the images are pretty good, actually, for, for this guy. <laughs> now, speaking of photos, uh, Luffer, I texted you, it seems like years ago at this point, because time is irrelevant, but the pictures of you and Shaft, do you, do you remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How was that evening? It was actually pretty good. Yeah. It was a pretty cool experience to do. Okay. Any stories or, or that's just it? We're going to leave it at that. 
Uh, I don't think there's many stories from that. I think it was just uh, just a cool thing to do. All right. So back to TikTok. Um, how are you? How are you doing right now with all this stuff in the news? Are you paying attention to the fact that TikTok might get banned in America? And what about Instagram coming out? DB, do you know this? This is uh, they're coming out with their own version of TikTok. It, yeah. It's going to be. I think it's called Reels. Are you Are you already signed up for that? Are you, you ready to go? You get your get your profile going there, Luffer. I mean, I got the Canadian TikTok. So so far, oh, there's okay. no That's one right. on my end. So like. I guess, I guess if I'm just chilling in Canada, I'll be good. But maybe once I cross the border uh, coming up soon, <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, find another platform. But I have a few different things up my sleeve for season that uh, I think will be pretty cool. It kind of shows the life week to week that we do. So I think uh, some fans will get to see the inside scoop of uh, how we live. So it'll be pretty cool. I think uh, I'm going to announce it within the next couple of weeks. And uh, I think the fans will get a good look inside what a uh, week to week in the NHL or HL looks like. All right. So we're going to, we're going to get to the hockey here in a little bit, but let's just keep on the lifestyle stuff. So uh, from what I understand, you, you've made a couple of visits over to uh, Sean over there at, at uh, in Venice beach to get some ink. Is that true? Yeah, I got uh, he's doing my upper half right now. And then uh, if I decide to do my other side, I think he'll be the guy to do it. I mean, he's doing good work on it. And uh, just few of the boys, and that's kind of how I found them out from through Cliffy and like Brodsey's. He did a bunch of theirs, so mm-hmm. I kind of just hit him up and gave him a stick and got to get him a jersey now. And I think uh, his work's pretty cool, so I think if anybody needs him out there in Venice, uh, go see Sean at the House of Ink because it's pretty lights out. Yeah, for sure. Guys love getting their work done there. I don't know if you know this. It was it was before you landed in L.A. Back in 2012 when the Kings won the Stanley Cup, he offered free L.A. Kings tattoos to all Kings fans. Did you know that? No, I did not. That's pretty cool, actually. It's pretty sick, right? I mean, it was it was, uh, and and he and he did not turn anybody away. I guess really? it was it wow. lasted for months that he, you know, the, the the waiting list, if you will. But he followed through on his commitment to give everybody uh, an LA Kings logo or a Stanley Cup, whatever mm-hmm. he was That's doing fantastic. back then. So yeah, great dude over at at House of Ink. You should get over there in Venice Beach. And then also, um, from what I understand, you, you've hung out a few times with uh, one of our our favorite guests here on the show, one of our boys, Earl Skakel. You've been up to the Comedy Store, right? Well, when it was yeah, open. I- yeah, when I was open, uh, I kind of messaged him and just said uh, we were looking to come by, and he was a great host, had us up, and let us meet Joe Rogan and such, so it was a pretty good experience. So, I mean, uh, anytime you can go up there, I think it was like me, Derzy, Boko, we just kind of went for a night and had a good time, and a lot of laughs, and uh, he put a few jokes at us, so it was pretty cool to see, but I mean, it's kind of a good Monday, Tuesday spot, so I think uh, we're going to kind of go more often next season and just listen to all the comedians up there because it's a good time. Now, I have a couple follow-up questions about Earl. First of all, did, do you know, did he happen to share with you or has anybody told you, he is an L.A. street hockey legend. Like, yeah, legit. he's a leading scorer for like 12 <laughs> years or something. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah I know. <laughs> you didn't even yeah. know that, did you, no, Dee? He is a stunned. legend. Like really? on the Mount Rushmore of L.A. street hockey, Earl oh, Skakel. Oh, yeah, for wow. real. No, he's legit. Now, the other thing I want to know is he is the ultimate uh, um, enforcer fanboy. So did did he geek out around Boko? Because I'm sure that that's like he probably liked you, but he probably loved Boko. Yeah, I think he's a vocal fan. I think uh, <laughs> that's actually how I met was through vocal and him. So I think there you go. Uh, <laughs> that's where it started from. And then vocal reached out, and then he was like, "Hey, man, like this is the guy to talk to." So next week, I was like, "Hey, I can use some of the boys, like vocal and such." And so I think vocal's uh, for sure at the top of the list. Um, as I'm sure he is for most fans. I think uh, he's an easy fan favorite with uh, Ontario and probably some Kings fans. So. All right, I'll fall behind Boko. 
he's a he's a deep uh, hockey jersey collector as well. He has one of the largest collections of hockey jerseys. Earl does of, and they're all the majority, I should say, are random teams. I'm talking yeah. from like deep in the you know uh, minus double A leagues. They're not I'm not even talking NHL type stuff. Has he has he shared any of that with you? Yeah, I haven't. But now that I know that, I'm gonna have to. I asked him to send me over some pictures. That's pretty cool. I think. Uh, one of my buddies is a big basketball collector, so I've seen a lot of jerseys from him, so that's pretty cool. But I think guys that collect, I think jerseys and such, like my dad's a big Coca-Cola collector, so our basement has a bunch of it and stuff, so it's pretty cool to see. So I'm kind of into that stuff, just kind of the oldies and see like what people have in their collection. Luffer, he, he, Earl's also a big wrestling fan. Are you, are you into wrestling at all? Uh, I can't say I am, but, I mean, if he wants a do a little charity match. I'm sure I could do it. <laughs> I, I don't think that's where Dennis was going, but okay. Well, well, well I'm just throwing out there. If he's a listener of the pod, he's going to hear that. I should get a message from him. <laughs> we're, we're gonna, Dennis, we're going to have to do our first remote. We talked about... Do, now, right. I don't know if you know this or not, but Dennis, for some reason, has an aversion to going to Ontario. I don't know what his issue is, but he can't seem Traffic. to find it. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I did see tweets this, like in season that like Dennis would even come up to the All-Star yeah, because no. it was Wall Street week. I was in St. Louis. <laughs> we don't want to hear your nonsense. You were back in time. Just fly. It's not a problem, okay? But uh, so here's the deal. We, since we can't do our first remote, no, actually, we did our first remote from the rookie tournament last year in Anaheim. Okay, Anaheim, right. so for our second live remote, we will have to set up a celebrity wrestling match between Luff. The wild card gym in Hollywood. Let's go. <laughs> there we the go. Venue. Between Luff and Earl, we'll get right on that. Um, your story is a pretty fascinating one. I don't know if people have sort of explored this enough with you, uh, Luff. You make your you make your NHL debut uh, in, in the game against uh, Columbus, and then the next day the head coach gets fired. So people have been wondering what the deal was with John Stevens getting fired in Los Angeles, and so now we can actually let everybody know. It was because of you, right? Well, I mean, I've had three coaches in two seasons, so it's been pretty crazy, actually. <laughs> but I still remember I woke up after my first game, and it's like kind of still on a high, like, you know, you don't do that stuff, and my parents are there, and then I think it was an off day, and I was going for breakfast, and I checked my phone, and I was like, uh, LA is part of ways John Stevens. I was like, oh, one day, and, and I already got a new coach coming in. So I, it was like, just got over the nerves of like playing in front of like John, and like the coaches there, and then having, I mean, the new one come in, so I think having Willie was there. So I think it was pretty wild, but yeah, I mean, one coach in one day, that's not a good record for me. That's <laughs> not a good look indeed. And then, of course, being undrafted and being signed as a free agent. I mean, you've gone through a lot of turmoil in your brief time uh, with Los Angeles because you came in right before Dean was let go. So a new general manager came in soon thereafter as well. You played a couple games in Ontario. What, do, do you remember that experience of, uh, of hearing the news of a shakeup with upper management? Uh, yeah, I think it was right before my first year started, I think. And then it was kind of just, I think it's all about first impressions again and kind of, I mean, I kind of knew my 20 years kind of more focused on making uh, Ontario versus LA, but going in and making the first impressions too, John Blakey and such. So, I mean, it was kind of just go out there, do my thing and just show that I'm here to do the work. And I mean, I didn't want to play my over major year and that's kind of set on that. And I luckily enough, I had a pretty good camp and, went from there. So, I mean, it's kind of just making sure the first impression to Blakey and such is, you know, it's going to be a hardworking kid and it's going to be hard to send him down to uh, junior back to Hamilton if he's playing like he is. So I think uh, that's kind of my goal going into it. Mike Stuthers was the coach there in Ontario. Those first two games 
any uh, any memories that you talk about first impressions, memories of your first interactions with studs? Yeah, uh, my first ever practice as a black ace when I was 19, I just flew up and they were kind of in playoffs, so I was just kind of bag skating. Uh, I was coming off the ice and he was in my stall and I just like sat beside him. I wasn't going to undress. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, like, you're in my stall. And he's like, starts laughing. He's like, you could have told me the past 20 minutes to move. <laughs> so I was there in my gear, just drenched in sweat. And I was like, what do I do? And it was like, Biz, me, him. And it was just like talking. He was funny. He was like, are you going to get dressed? And I was like, oh, like, you're in my stall. So that was kind of like my first being with Stutz. And then um, I, was, I think I was playing, we were going to Stockton. And I brought... Uh, I didn't bring like a toiletry bag on the road trip. I brought like a plastic bag and Stutz was like, what are you doing? And then showed Diz and then Diz was all over me. So it was kind of like, he was kind of light on me, which is nice. But I think uh, overall, like my first interaction with Stutz were pretty funny. Uh, talk about uh, maybe just being in Ontario and, and seeing, you know, different players getting called up and, and, you know, you've been up, you've been down. I've talked to you about this uh, off air before, just about how to stay strong mentally when you when you reflect back on if you have reflected back at all uh, about how you keep yourself engaged mentally, um, you know anything to share just about your thoughts or people that have helped keep you motivated when all that's happening around you or even to you as well. Yeah, I think it's just one of those where I mean at the end of the day, they're your buddies getting caught up and down, so you gotta be happy for them. But I mean at the end of the day, everybody wants to be on that uh, Kings roster playing, so I think it's kind of just. You know, I got pretty tight with my family, so it's kind of just called them and work through it. And, I mean, you get sent down, I think uh, they're looking at for you to kind of make an impact and show, like, why you should be an NHL player. And that's kind of what I've been doing. I think uh, after the Anaheim game there where I got sent down, I was kind of there on out when I played with Jad and uh, Blaine Byron there. And I kind of just had the mindset going out and just be a dominant player for Ontario and kind of be, you know, if LA needs a guy, it's going to be right back to me and, I think that's kind of what I'm looking at this summer is when I get the opportunity, I don't know who's out of the lineup, but whoever it is, I'm just going to give them no reason to put them back in over me. So I think it's uh, kind of just mental toughness and just using people around you who've been through the whole process, through the ups and downs, through junior and not getting drafted and just you know, knowing that when your time comes, you just got to show up and execute. Matt, you're going to go a long stretch without any playing in – any real hockey games, quote-unquote. So what are you doing through this time off to, to work on your game? Can you stay in shape? Can you get ice? What, what's going on with you right now? Yeah, I've been uh, back with uh, Matt Nickel for my fourth summer with him now. So I've been at the gym for about a month now, and then I've been uh, skating two to three times a week currently, and then I'm about to start up with uh, Barb Underhill in the next couple of weeks for power skating there, and then just some skill work. So I think uh, – workouts five times a week and then skates will be three four and then i'm probably looking to come back to LA hopefully sooner than later and then just uh get back with matt price here in the gym and probably with the dev guys on ice and you know just nose to the grind to get ready for uh camp whenever that may be and you know work my way onto that roster you know, so there's all this talk right now about uh, being in the bubble. The bubble is the big word around the NHL right now. But, I mean, the bubble is also applicable to you as well, being a bubble player. When you look at the LA Kings roster going into next season, you're fighting for a job like you're talking about. Do you spend any time at all looking at the rest of the roster? You know, you have Trevor Lewis as a free agent, and you have these other guys that are all there 
trying to crack that roster. And then you see guys like Velarde and Furt coming in and sort of securing their spot. Do you spend any time kind of penciling out, okay, who might the 14 forwards be? Or what's the, what's the thought process or what's the approach to figuring out where you fit into all this? I mean, that's kind of uh, control what I can control. So every day waking up, getting better and doing the things that, you know, a pro would do, I can't control, you know, what, what lines go out or whatever. So it's kind of just focus on myself, go to camp and you know what, start at the bottom of the tree and work my way up throughout the lineup. And I mean, at the end of the day, like we're buddies, but I think the big thing for me this summer is understanding that, you know what, they don't have a problem with me and the stands are in the HL. So when I walk into camp, I don't care who would, whose job I'm fighting for. I got to take their job and, send them to the A where I was. I mean, that's what I got to do. So it's kind of that kind of mental process where, you know, it's buddies outside, but as soon as I walk into that dry stall, it's, you know, whose spot can I take and where can I keep going from there? Now, for maybe people that don't live in Southern California and don't know, it's not an easy jaunt from the South Bay uh, out to Ontario. It's one thing to go there for games, but you were also supportive of some of your teammates as well. So like when the All-Star game was in in Ontario this year, Ferk's in the All-Star game, Clegg's in the All-Star game, Cal's there. But then uh, you still made it out to, to watch the festivities. Just what was the what was the impetus for that? Is it just you wanted to be there and take the whole thing in, or you're there to support an individual player? Or, you know, why were you there? Yeah, I had a few of my buddies from the East there. So I had Tippett, who's probably like my closest friend in it. But I mean, I love this cow and the second parents in it. And then, I mean, Ferky and Clag are there and it's in Ontario. So I think it's pretty cool whenever you can go see an all-star game and just see like what kind of skills in there is pretty sweet. But I mean, you know, you got to be proud of those three guys. To be an all-star in any league is pretty, uh, pretty cool, and I don't think uh, many guys can say he's been one, especially Cal is a two-time all-star, and I think uh, those guys really put on performance for Ontario, and I think Ferky, I mean, I still hear talks about that flap, Sean, and I mean, uh, <laughs> I've seen it firsthand as I was a net front guy in a five-on-three, so I've seen a few whiz by me. So, but I mean, it's just, you know, anytime you can support your teammates, that are in such a huge like honor and the all-star game is pretty cool and so i think it was just you know go out watch and just you know have fun with those guys because it looks like a good time so we've been pumping the cal's tires for a couple of years now I've, I've said almost from the day that he signed with the kings after being uh, not signed by the sabers and you know joining the la organization that peter cal peterson is the heir apparent to jonathan quick which is obviously big shoes to fill right a two-time stanley cup winner but cal is as legit as they come uh don't take it from me though Let, let's hear from one of his teammates why don't you Tell, tell the listeners, what makes Cal Peterson so special? Uh, yeah, I think what makes Cal so special in that or even off the ice is just, you know, how he looks at the game, how he approaches it. He's, uh, I get to see a different side of Cal. And I think most people, just because, you know, we live together and do a bunch of golf, so I see a different side of Cal. But, like, he gets in the room and, you know, if it's a game day and he's staring, it's just, you know, he's got the calmness to him, the quietness, and he just goes about his business. And, you know, it's just, it's like a switch. It goes on and off. It's just like once it's game time, he flips, flips it up, and then it's just lights out. I think uh, he's got great mentors. Like when Soupy was here, him and him and Soup were really close. And, of course, Clicky. I mean, Clicky's done so much in his career and probably a Hall of Fame goaltender. So you get to learn from those guys. And you have, like, Billy and Dusty. So, I mean, he's had all the, all the right guys to help him out. But I think, uh, you know, Kyle's probably – one of the kind goalies, I think, uh, you know, we're lucky to have him, especially in Ontario the past couple of years. He was lights out. So, I mean, I think the fans will see Cal firsthand next year, trying to battle quickie there for a starting position because I think uh, at the end of the day, you know, he's 
got the potential to be a number one starter for many, many years. And I think uh, he might have the potential of bringing the boys a cup here. And, you know, he can win the game. So and that's what kind of you need out of a goalie. So I think having him and Quickie back there, I think in the second half when I was up, I was watching, like, it was hard to beat them. I think we're giving up like one, two goals, and any time their boys are doing that, it's easy to win the game. I want to go back to April. I think April 16th, um, Meatball was crowned the champion of Bark Madness. Uh, 27 vote margin over Lucy Anderson. Were you sweating Lucy Anderson? Or do you think this was going to be a win anyway? Um, yeah, I've seen a few uh, things up my sleeve just in case it was tight, and then I kind of heard <laughs> over Twitter it's tight, and then uh, my buddy's dog has almost like a million followers on Insta, so I pulled out that card and had him <laughs> tweet it out. But I mean, there's a lot of Bulldogs account that you know, message Meatball and my, my sister, I gave her the account. I was like, I can't do this. Like, this is too much. <laughs> so she does it. But I mean, I think there was like a lady who woke up at like four in the morning just like by accident and was like, I voted for Meatball until I get fully closed. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so, I mean, he's got a pretty good following, but I mean, uh, I got to bring him to LA now. I guess he won and I tweeted it out. So I mean, people are expecting to see him and, you know, it's pretty hot in Canton or in Toronto right now, so he's been getting his tan on in a 30-degree weather. So he's, pretty, he's ready to go. He's ready to go. He's coming back to defend his championship, right? Uh, I don't know. We, we were debating that. There's, you might have to leave on a high, but yeah, I, mean, I get you. Know, yeah, going up on back top. Back-to-back's pretty rare, and, I mean, Cal's got a new dog, so that thing's pretty cute, and I don't know if uh, many dogs can top that one right now, but not saying anything yet, but it's in debate about if Meatballs can return for a three-peat, but, I mean, a two-peat's pretty good to leave out. Now, I, I, here's a question for you, and, and I don't know uh, what your thoughts would be on this, but I, I kind of am, am not happy with the fact that the young prospects live in the South Bay. Now, just hear me out on this, and let me explain this to you. When, you, when you're living in Ontario and you're living the minor league life and you're scraping by and you're, you're really paying your dues and you're putting in the, the work, right? The the L.A. lifestyle and the Kings and the NHL, it seems so far away. It's 45 minutes away or 45 miles or whatever, but it, it's it's close, but yet it's so far away. But yet when you're in the it South... It is far away. Okay, it's too far uh, for me to drive, whatever. for sure. No. <laughs> Get an Uber. Get out of here. No. Uh, $400 Uber. Oh, come on. You can but afford I, it. Great point. There. Okay, so anyway, sorry, Luff. Sorry about that. Um when you're living in the South Bay and you're living that NHL lifestyle, you're around the Kings players, you, you know, you're around the five and $10 million players and you're, you're living at the beach and you're kind of in the NHL almost without being in the NHL. And so do you think maybe that some guys take their foot off the pedal a little bit more than if they were grinding, you know, uh, out in Ontario or in, you know, Stockton or Baco or something like that? What do you think about that theory? Uh, I got, so I've done both. I've done Ontario yeah. and then obviously South Bay my, after my first year. Uh, I think you'll get like money wise. I think guys are on like AHL deals. Ontario's cheaper that way. But I think the whole like not having if I, like me going up and down a couple of times, like that's packed my suitcase going from, you know, uh, the holiday in beside the rink back to my house and then Ontario. And then two days later, it's packed up again for one or two weeks, three weeks. And then, you know, maybe going back. So I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't say it differs my view on it, but I think uh, maybe for some guys, they kind of just think, you know, they're just living a life of like a, the NHL. It's just not the way to view it. Cause at the end of the day, unless you got that logo on the front of your chest and 
you know, you don't have, you're not living the NHL life. I mean, the 50 to 70 K on the ELC is not going to get you very far on Manhattan beach. I'll tell you that <laughs> for sure. For sure. And, and Matt, how do you manage that? Cause you're on a two way deal. So like, and cap friendly, we know what your numbers are. It's 700 K in the NHL and in 15 a, like how do you manage your finances knowing that someday, you know, one day you might be making a big money and then, you know, two weeks later you might be at the 50 K mark. So how do you manage that? I basically, live like I'm living the 50k life but okay. I mean I got like a financial guy so I got him and then my parents are really on top of making sure I'm not doing anything dumb Great. but I, I have a couple of dumb purchases like with, with shoes or whatever but I mean there's nothing like over the over the top but kind of just making sure like you're smart with your money and not living like going out of style because I mean any day you can spend I think I finished the year like a month and a half in the HL and that's like, I think for paycheck paycheck way different than the NHL. So, I mean, you kind of just, I've seen both sides. So I kind of have the experience and you know, it's, it's way different and you kind of start to change your lifestyle up. You're uh, when you obviously you want to make the Kings this year. You've spoken about that throughout this this conversation here today. When you look at the roster though in Ontario, it's going to be a decidedly younger roster this year. And you have guys like Turcotte coming in and Tyler Madden and Akil Thomas, and I mean the list just goes on and on. Uh, guys even coming over from Europe and, and different things like that. Um, are you at that point now where you're at that I don't know fork in the road where you, you become almost like the veteran leader to that younger group, but yet you're still the young guy when you're up in the NHL. Yeah, I think I kind of had that this year too where, you know, we kind of had a young group with a few, like, 99s and such. But I think, uh, I mean, that's kind of had me in last year and just said, you know, like, you're looked on as a leader. And, like, I was like, oh, like, in my eyes, I'm, like, 22 still. I'm like, oh, boy, like, you know, and guys look up to me because I've been through both process. But I think it's, like, this year is kind of a big one if I'm down in the A or if I'm up top, it's kind of like, you know, just handle myself. I would if, you know what, I'm a veteran on, like, the on Ontario. It's kind of just, you know, I go in, do my job, and, you know, be respectful for, you know, what, doing what I do, and, you know, I just do every rep properly and kind of show the young guys that, you know, you do your work and everything, it's going to pay off. Because I think, you know what, these guys come in, I've seen a kill and such, and I've obviously looked at, you know, what Turcotte and Madden does, and I think, you know what, they're skilled and really good. So we should have a really good young team, and I think uh, with Maddie V and and Nat there, I think his ending of the season was unbelievable. So I think we could have a good chance to be a top team, and I think uh, with those guys coming in and, you know what, with the leadership of Sutch coming back. So it'll be huge for those guys. I think it'll be a good team, and they'll learn a lot, and I think uh, the development side of it will be huge. I don't know as as a forward if you have any perspective on this, but last year was the year of the defensemen in Ontario. It was the ABCD group. It was Anderson, Bjornfoot, Clegg, and Dursey. Any thoughts about uh, watching those young guys just sort of grow up right before our eyes in their first season of pro and um, heading into their second year? Yeah, I think the Aussie standout for the new guys walking was Mike Anderson. I think uh, from day one of camp, he's... He's unbelievable. He's, he's quiet, sound defensively, and like blocks anything that comes at the net. So I think uh, him walking was like he did a great job. And I think that's why uh, he got called up there at the end, and he was doing well with you know with the Kings. I think uh, 
he's going to play for them for a while and be, you know, probably a leader of the team. I think what he does is unreal and just how he handles himself at 20 was pretty cool to see. And then like Clagger was lights out for us. I think uh, that's why he's probably on the all-star roster. I think what he does with the puck and with his, you know, it's such a good skater and his maneuvers. So I think he was lights out. And then I'm kind of excited to see what Thurs does this year. I mean, you know what? He kind of fell into that rotation sometimes this year in and out, but I think, uh, this year will be cool to see what he does. I remember him from the O, and I mean to go second round in the NHL. Like he has the potential to be, you know, a top four D in any league. So I mean, it'll be cool to see what he does. And I, you know, I talk to him quite often. He's ready to go. So it'll be cool to see what what these guys do in their second year. Yeah, for sure. Um, any of these guys that you want to go out on a limb and and, and say are maybe even sleepers or the guy that you think is going to break out? Uh, let's just run down the list of LA Kings prospects from the top ten. You have. Velarde, Turcotte, Bjornfoot, Kaliev, Madden, uh, who I would assume maybe you don't know very well at all, uh, but Kapari, Akil Thomas, Jod, maybe even throw Fagamo in there as well. Who's the guy who people are sleeping on? Uh, I'm going to go off the board because I think a lot of people don't. Guys, uh, my big pick will be uh, Dudas. I think uh, I love Hold on. That's just an OHL pick. Give me a break. Okay, you want it off the OHL side? <laughs> well, um, let me first, go ahead and finish giving your scouting report. Go ahead. Aiden Dudas, everyone loves him. Team Canada, he's the sleeper. Give yeah. it to us. Okay, tell us why Aiden I, Dudas. He, he's just the water buck. I mean, I watched him obviously when I played, and you know, what he does, he's fast, he's hard on putts, and he's a little skill guy. And I think, you know, he's going to come in and earn a spot. He has to, I think. You know, there's a lot of guys coming in, and he has a chance to go back to the LA, but I think uh, he's going to come in and, you know, kind of show himself and I think surprise a lot of people with how he can play and what he can do. So I think he'll be good, but um, who else? I think, I think Coops, I think what went off Coops at World Juniors, there was his uh, knee, but I think he was finding a stride there near World Jays time. And I think, I think he's coming back and I think he's an exciting player. Like what he does with the puck is pretty cool. And, you know, like he's like Clive, like just so good on his skates. So, I mean, It'll be pretty interesting to see how he comes back to camp. So I think those two are my picks. All right. He needs to stop dangling a little bit, though. I mean, you know, it's not a video game. It's not Europe. This is North America. Smaller <laughs> ice. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. But, no, those are my two. But, no, I think uh, both those guys will be uh, pretty good breakout players this year. All right. Gotcha. Um, here's one for you. I, I, there are some jokes that never get old. And to me, there are some jokes that are funny forever. So let me give you an example. Um, Ryan Smith wanted to be traded out of Los Angeles because he didn't feel safe living in Manhattan Beach compared to living in Canada. That, to me, is funny forever. And then I will continue to make references about that. Um, Kings fans who want to tweet me around the trade deadline that the Kings just need to make a trade with Columbus and they're going to go on a cup run, that's not funny anymore to me. So I'm curious, um, the whole thing about your last name, you get the, you know, oh, what a Luffly goal by Matt Luff. Luff actually. Yeah. Like I'm over movie. it. I, it's not funny to me. So is it funny to you? Uh, I mean, I've heard it for what 20, 20 years now. <laughs> a long since time. I was a kid. I've heard it for a while. So I mean, there's not many jokes that I don't hear. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. People are going with it, so I guess I kind of laugh at it now. Just you know, I just kind of expect it whenever something happens. But I mean, yeah, so, I don't know. Like people can keep using it. it doesn't really bother me. Cause I've heard it for a while. But there's some people that like come up to me in public and be like, "Oh, like a lushy man." I thought you haven't heard that before and I was like only 800 times but yeah no, today before good. breakfast well when they use it on social media it's usually because he scored a goal so I guess that's 
when you do want to hear it. So. Okay, I guess yeah, in I mean, that sense, I'm, you're okay with right. it, right? Yeah, if it's a positive sense, for sure. <laughs> Just, okay, so there you go, fans. There you go. When you walk up to Matt Luff and you meet him, don't try to work that into the no. conversation. He's heard all of them, and they're not funny, and you're not funny, so stop right. bringing it up to him in person. That's I mean, a- if I hear a new one that's original, like I might just trademark and put on a t-shirt and <laughs> yeah. see, what, see what happens. You'll Luffer, be you a just, while, Luffer. <laughs> Luffer, you just said you, there are no new ones. You've heard them I all. Know, so if, there's, if there's anybody that's not an original, like, you know my Twitter handle. Just send me in. Let me see if oh, I got a new it's, one. It's on. You, you might as well just turn your mentions yeah, off it. now. You just, you just killed it. It's not, uh, <laughs> not going to end well for you. Now, look, uh, uh, it, thank you, by the, by the way, for, for taking some time away from the golf course. And we know that your, your, your favorite foursome for golf probably would include at least me and Dennis, and I don't know whoever the fourth person would be, but assuming that we're not available that day because Dennis wouldn't want to drive in traffic to get to the golf course, and I would rather just drive and the cart. I've never played golf, John. That's I played one thing. time, and I only enjoyed driving the cart. I had no interest yeah, in swinging the cart guy. So, yeah. Luffer knows that from the last TFP class <laughs> yeah, I was driving. Dennis, yeah, I've seen Dennis at a few tournaments. So, fine. So, one of us will drive the cart. Um, who's in, you know, your all time, you get to pick the foursome. Who, who are you playing golf with? My all time foursome, um, for sure. Putting Tiger in there just cause I mean, next to Jack Nicholas, he's the best golfer ever played. And I think just picking his brain about how he goes about his business. I mean, the guy works out at four thirty in the morning would be pretty cool to see. Um, next, so I got two more picks. I for sure should maybe put a buddy in there cause he a buddy would want to do that, but uh, Tom Brady would be a good one. I mean, I was a big, big Patriots fan, and then he kind of left us, but that's fine. But I mean, uh, again, like he he looks at the game so different, and from his eyes, and just like, you know, he'd be so cool to talk to. And then hmm, one more, I got. Um, like. I don't know if Conor McGregor could learn to golf or just sit in the car and talk to him. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's a character, but I mean, like the way you, he like markets himself, I think it's pretty cool. I think you say to anybody, Conor McGregor, and all of a sudden you know who it is. And I think uh, minus him being an absolute mental case, but I think that <laughs> what makes him him, I think he would be a pretty cool one to talk to and, you know, just see older perspectives. I mean, they're all kind of different in their own way. And I think, uh, like I want to just kind of figure out like what makes them like so, like so special and like what, how they see the game. So I think it's just different guys and yeah. different characters. Yeah, they definitely, those are three, three different unique people, but that all have, uh, have had success at, you know, at their individual sports. So it'd be, it'd be good to hear. I'm curious about the Patriots, uh, selection there though. You're saying we and us, so you're a Patriots fan. How did how did that happen? Is that just you jumping on the bandwagon through their them having some success through the years or what? What's the deal there? No, so I'm a big Red Sox Patriots fan out of Boston, but my uh, buddy's dad Tom Fergus played for the Bruins and he was my college coach growing up for the longest time. And so I mean, they're a huge Patriots and Red Sox fan. So I mean, every time we we're over their house, it was watching one of those two sports and then we'd always go to Boston for uh, the Chowder Cup for hockey and we'd always end up either at a Red Sox team or something. So it's kind of been with me since the start and then obviously for hockey, I think everybody knows I'm a big Habs guy, so that's that. 
I'm a diehard Dodger guy, but I will tell anybody who will listen, there is no better place to see a baseball game than Fenway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I I, and I can't stand the American League, so it pains me to say that. But, uh, but you, I, you guys are welcome for Mookie Bats. I'll give you that. <laughs> now, so, so uh, we, we've been talking with Gabe Velarde recently, who, who has pledged his undying love to the Blue Jays. Apparently, Drew Doughty has already poisoned his mind. But Kaliev is on board. Uh, obviously, we know uh, the long list of LA Kings players like Andre Kopitar. He had season tickets for a while. Matt Green's a big Dodger guy. What's it going to take for you to put on the uh, the LA blue and you know rock that lid as you as you parole the streets of the South Bay? Maybe post coronavirus because they can have me out the batting practice. Not my uh, yeah, my decision. Okay, okay, I like that. There you go. The invitation. Talking this about man. the Dodgers, I bet if you walk into any of the development camps, you could see however many kids there. They all will have an LA hat on. They all go. I don't know what it is. I can, like, I do you want to know what it is? And they walk in and they all have Dodgers hats on. And you're like, man, are you guys kidding me? <laughs> uh, do, would you like to know the backstory there? Yeah, I would actually love to know a little bit insight because it's like, where do you guys go? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. So starting about 10 years ago, I had to start getting these kids whipped into shape. So when I would start to talk to the LA Kings prospects, when they would get drafted, some of these kids, even before they would get drafted, I would start to quiz them on, you know, LA and uh, who do they know about the legends of, of the, the sports here in Los Angeles, including the Dodgers and getting them on board and see a lot of them were easy. Uh, they were easy marks. They were impressionable because they were from Canada. And if you're not a Blue Jays fan, you know, only have, we only have one team in Canada, right? So yeah. you had to explain it to them and, and, uh, started the conversion process. And so you, then you get, you get to Foley on board. And then once Kopitar, now I see, you probably don't know this, but Kopi early on was a Blue Jays fan. Drew was all over him. I think Drew was running a side marketing campaign. There are some pictures. <laughs> Kopi left the Blue Jays for the Dodgers? Damn straight he did. Absolutely. He knows what's up. That's right. I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, you guys, <laughs> you guys blow a lot of, you guys blow it in the playoffs every year. Oh, here we go. Lisa Wait a minute. The Astros are a bunch of cheaters. What are you talking about? Yeah, but like Lisa Jays are consistent. Like we, I don't know. I was, I think it was my first year, second year in the OHL when they made the playoffs last. So I could, <laughs> like, like at least we're just consistent. But like, I mean, the Red Sox are doing their job. Minus the fact we lost Milky. I don't know how they thought he was going to come back, but that's fine. Okay. So, but I mean, like the Dodgers, like it's so much hype every year. And then it's like game seven, and then you put Kirsch on the mound, and it's, oh, there it is. Bye. <laughs> well, this has been a great interview, Matt. We hope you really enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> We've, we have a bone to pick with you. We're going to have to rebook you, and we're going to have to go through the 60-game uh, season. What do you, how do you feel about that? Do you like a 60-game season more than 162? I do. Well, I mean, it's not even hit 60. They came and play. Like, there's like <laughs> no, six teams postponed right now. I don't know how like the MLB couldn't get like four different bubbles. I right. mean, you're going to tell me they can put one in like San Francisco or whatever, then I don't even know. But I mean, it's, it's insane to see. But I mean... Seven inning double headers. I, I think the sexy game would be cool because I mean, the guys get to stay fresh. Like they're not wearing themselves out over a hundred and what, 82, 68, whatever it is. Like that's a lot of travel, a lot of games. I, mean, I think the sixty would be cool. So because it's just shorter and guys are fresh, and then it's right into postseason. All right, Dodgers. Red Sox. I was there in in Boston for the World Series a couple of years ago. So if the Dodgers and the Red Sox hook up again in the World Series somehow this year, we'll have you back on the show and we can debate which which lineup is better and who's going to uh, take the World Series. How about that? All right, I'm on. 
All right. There you go. Luff, it's been fantastic. You're the best Luffer. We man, appreciate man. it. Uh, good luck with your with where you're going with the TikTok stuff. And uh, enjoy your golf game. And I guess we'll see you and Meatball back here in Southern California, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Stay safe, and I'll see you guys sooner than later. All right. There you go, DB, Matt Luff with his inaugural visit into Kings of the Podcast. It's a lot to unpack in the a third period. One of our favorites, though. All right, sure. we'll be back after the break. Used to spend my nights out in ballroom. Liquor was the only love I'd known But you rescued me from Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the mayor. All right, third period. Lot to digest there, John. Matt Luff was a beauty. Uh, He is. He's fantastic. What a great kid. I mean, you're not supposed to root for kids. I root for Matt Luff to make the team next season. It's going to be a challenge for him, but... um what do you think of that, John? Well, look, DB, here's the thing. I mean, you talk about rooting for guys, and it's going to be a challenge. And yes, it's going to be a challenge for him. He's one of those bubble players like right. we talked about. But I think that people do need to parse that interview and not just look at the fun side of it. Like, we know Matt Luff on a personal yeah. level. So when guys come onto our show, we they laugh. Open up. We sure. have a great time. We talk about the Dodgers, you know, and we're, yeah. we're, we're flipping each other's stuff, and we're chirping and this and that. But look, at the end of the day, Matt Luff understands, and you talked about it when you hit on the salary stuff. He understands the difference between making 700000 a year and making $50,000 a year. And he likes the Manhattan Beach lifestyle. Right. He wants to be an NHL player. This is a kid who has a chip on his shoulder and always has. He sort of hinted at that a little bit, right? right. Being undrafted right. And, and all that sort of stuff and making the team. The window of opportunity is now. We've seen guys come into the organization that had a lot of promise mm-hmm. that didn't crack that lineup. Right. Guys like uh, Michael Mersh, guys like Johnny Brzezinski. Matt Luff doesn't want to be one of those guys. Right. Matt Luff sees his peers. Yanov, Moller, we could go down he, the list. He, and he talked about uh, some of his peers that he's watched come up and down and guys make the team. He doesn't want to be left behind. No. And so, you know, Todd McClellan, he knows a little bit about Todd. He's been through the process now. There's a lot riding on this training camp. There is. And so this isn't all about golf and TikTok. This is about getting your head straight and being ready to make this team. And he's made that. You could tell him that there's a level of maturity in the non-fun answers. You say, this is kids really determined. He's done some soul searching. He understands that this is a crucial. If he's to remain a king, this is it. This mm-hmm. is going to be it. This training camp, this season is going to be it for him. Uh, and I just admire him, the fact that he can be able to to do both, to get, have fun and have a good time while he's away from the ice. But he's going to be probably the most, I don't think there's going to be a more determined kid who's on the bubble on this team than Matt Luff coming into the training camp. Well, from a pressure standpoint too, right? I mean, yep. Arthur Kaliev's on the bubble. You know, most likely he won't make the team, but his whole future's in, in front of him. So, right. you know, he can play anywhere this year. He doesn't have to play in the National Hockey League. That's not going to be the the end-all, be-all for right. him. It's not the end game right now. No. Right. A guy like Michael Amadio, you know, he could see his NHL career, at least in Los Angeles, sort of slipping through the cracks, and other guys have come through. Blake yeah. Lazat might have taken his job. Right. Luff needs to, to make a statement he coming does. into training camp. And here's the thing. The Kings need offense, that's what this guy does. I this know. guy puts the puck in the back yeah. of the net, a great shot, 
and uh, he can contribute offensively. I just don't believe he's necessarily been given the opportunity, at least this this past season. Whether I mean, you can make the argument, did he earn the opportunity right. or did he have the opportunity? Egg, right. Yeah, but either way, you look at what he did in a very small sample size the season before yeah. when he came in and was, I think, he given or earned a, a larger opportunity and a larger role. He was able to produce. On this team, he has an, there's a door open there is. for him. There absolutely is because they need his skill set to, to get where they need to be. Yeah, so it'll be very interesting to see what Matt Luff is able to bring to the lineup this year. Training camp's going to be interesting. Guys fighting for jobs. Yep. I think also um, the mindset of a guy like Todd McClellan coming into his second training camp is going to be different very than his different. first training Agreed. camp. Yep. First training camp, he really needed to be focused on getting the room together, right? So right. so partnering with the veterans to build his 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 alliance, right, within right. that veteran group. It wasn't so much about the kids. It was about the vets. Yeah. Plus and now, putting in a system structure, all yeah, those things. Which right? is, again, why he needed the vets to be able to get to them to buy, buy in, in right? Course, and so right. he has that. He has Kopitar. He has Brownie. Yeah. He has Carter all on his side now. So now I think the attention turns to the kids. And this is where really Todd has made his hay as yeah. a coach historically is bringing in younger players, integrating them in into the system, getting them ready to become full-time NHL players. And uh, he's obviously going to have his hands or, or a voice involved with what they do at the American League level with some of the younger prospects that are maybe a year or two away. Right, correct. This is the time to get going with a guy like Matt Luff who can really contribute offensively mm-hmm. and you can get him to be a, con- uh, a, con- a contributing, productive part of that bottom six. It doesn't need to be a 25-goal score. You give him 12 to 14 to 15 on the bottom six, that's a win for the team. It would be fantastic. So, DB, another great episode in the books. Fantastic conversations of late. Really appreciated our conversation recently with Gabe Velarde. Him opening up, getting to know a little bit more about him as a player and a person. And and now with Matt Luff uh, and his opportunities that are in front of him. We'll have to see who we book for the next episode, DB. just can't wait, John. Two great episodes. And fans, we'll talk to you soon. Virginia, William Hill, America's number one sports book, is now here. And we have a special 2021 offer to help you bet on all your favorite sports risk-free. Download the William Hill Sportsbook app, and when you sign up, you can get started with a risk-free bet of up to $2,021. Use promo code RADIORF. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Let's make it interesting with William Hill Sportsbook.